Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. Well, today I want to actually continue a little bit of what I talked about last week. Uh, So I'm not going to do much of a recap. So hopefully you know what I talked about last week. If not, it's okay. You'll still catch on. Uh, But if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. I picked the most encouraging scriptures to read to you this morning. All right, ready? But you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce. People will be self-centered, lovers of themselves, and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. See, I told you, encouraging. Yeah, right? They will become addicted to, or they will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander. Slaves to their desires, they will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than in the pleasures of loving God. They will, or they may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these, for they are the ones who worm their way into the hearts of vulnerable women, spending the night with those who are captured by their lust and steeped in sin. They are always learning, but never discover the revelation knowledge of the truth. I'm going to stop right there just for a moment. And say, I've seen this verse, especially in this hour, in this, uh, this time, shared on social media over and over again, right? It's describing the last days and, what, is, and what, what you would see in the last days. And everything listed there are things that we are seeing happen right now, right? Everything listed are things that are happening right now in this moment, What frustrates me, though, when I see that post is they never finish the verses. It stops right there that you're going to see all of these horrible things in the last days, period. And it ends there. And all that does is breed uh, fear. All it does is make the sons and daughters of God who have the authority to change things feel small and little because it feels like there's nothing we can do. When you, when, when those verses are shared, not in the right context, what it does is, and I I truly believe that it does not bring any glory to God. All it does is breed fear because you're not, we're not putting that verse in the correct context. Let me read you the rest of the story, right? Who who is it that said that? Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. Here we go. The rest of the story here. Nothing. I, I did a Paul Harvey impersonation and got a chuckle. Come on. Here we go. All right. So here's the rest of the verse. 
History has given us an example of this with the Egyptian sorcerers, Janes and Jambres, who stood against Moses and their arrogance. So it will be in the last days with those who reject the faith with their corrupt minds and arrogant hearts, standing against the truth of God. Here we go. You ready? But they will not advance. For everyone will see their madness just as they did with Janies and Jambres. They will not advance. That's the rest of that scripture. That all of these things may happen in the last days, but there will be no victory in it. That they will not advance and everyone will see their madness. Listen. The funny thing about this verse is, yes, every single one of those things can be attributed to our society today. But every one of those things can be attributed to every society behind us. Evil is nothing new. The pandemic, there's been pandemics in the past. It's happened before. Corrupt government is a is a uh, is something that has been in every generation. Listen, have you ever read the Bible? The entire Bible is full of corrupt leaders and governments. Corrupt government is absolutely nothing new. It is it is a uh, it is a fad that has been in every generation, right? It's a fad that won't go away. Corrupt government has been around forever, man. Racism has been alive and well since the Old Testament. None of it is new. Nothing Paul says there is new. It has ha been happening in every generation. Every generation has had those who have been against God, who have slandered God. Every generation has had those whose lust for money has conquered everything. Every generation has had this attributes. Even Paul himself makes, it, uh, makes a statement. He says in verse five, he says, stay away from these people, which indicates that, that everything that he listed was already happening as he was writing. Writing, the, writing this verses. If he has to say, stay away from those people, that means those people are already around, right? So this is not a new thing. That, that uh, this, this evil is not a new thing. It's, it's something that's been around from the beginning. Even when Paul was writing it, it was been around. But there's another thing in first, or Second Timothy chapter three that has always been consistent too. And it is that those people did not advance. That, the, that those people have never, never defeated those who are called sons and daughters of God. That Jesus has always triumphed in every generation and he will triumph in our generation as well. Amen? It says history has already given us an example of this and two people named Janies and Jambres. Don't you love that? Janies and Jambres. For any pregnant people, there's some ideas for your babies. Janies or Jambres, right? So history has given us an example. Who, who is Janies and Jambres? Janies, I love saying it. Janies and Jambres were the two sorcerers that uh, stood against Moses when Moses came to the Pharaoh and said, let my people go. 
So they're the two when the, that when Moses would throw down his staff and it would turn into a snake, then Jannies and Jambres would come along. They would throw down their staff and make it turn into a snake. And we, I love that. You got to finish that story, right? This, that the snake that Moses had ate the other snake. It's just awesome, right? So that's who they are. When, when Moses turned the Nile River into blood, then Jannies and Jambres turned around and they said, hey, we can do that too. And they turned water into blood. And so that, this, they were the ones who opposed God in their arrogance, saying, whatever you can do, we can do it too, Right? And so they, they could do it until they couldn't, right? There came a moment where they literally, it says it right there in Exodus, where they literally said, listen, we can't do that. This is the finger of God. And they were done. Jannies and Jambres were the OG Millie Vanilli, right? They were the OG. Just like Millie Vanilli, their act was fake too, right? So... <laughs> Come on, that was good. Cam, I know that I, I did that one just for you. <laughs> if you don't know, then you don't know. So you gotta, you gotta look it up. <laughs> so Jannies and Jambres stood against God and they failed. And, and 2 Timothy 3 tells us that this is the example in history. That just as it was in that day, so it will be that in our day. That just as Jannies and Jambres stood arrogantly opposing God, when somebody arrogantly opposes God in our day, they will fail just as they did in the past. So don't let those, those scriptures taken out of context send you into fear because the Bible tells us that they will not prevail. They will not prevail. Evil may raise its ugly head, but it will always be just as in the days of Moses when they stood arrogantly against God and failed. They will stand arrogantly against God and fail in our day as well. Amen? Amen. Millie Vanilli. I have heard it said that in the last days, the church will get brighter and brighter and the world will get darker and darker. That in the last days, the church will get brighter and brighter and the world will get darker and darker. And that sounds real biblical. The only problem is it is neither biblical nor scientific. <laughs> Listen, when you walk into a room that is dark and you flip the light switch on, what happens? The darkness leaves. There's no battle. There's no fight for who can win. As soon as the light turns on, the darkness is gone. There's not parts of the room that are dark because they choose to stay dark. And there's not parts of the room that are light because that's just where the light can dwell. The light always every time defeats darkness. The only way light does not prevail is when the light is suppressed, right? The only way a room is dark is when the light is suppressed. The Bible says that you are the light of the world. Go ahead and pull that scripture up. Matthew chapter five says, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be shaken, cannot be hidden. Go to, let's do all of Matthew 5. 
how do they light a lamp and put it under a basket? But on a lampstand, or nor do they put it, they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So listen, the only way the light or the darkness prevails is if you suppress the light. So the statement to say that at the same time darkness is rising and at the same time light is rising is a false statement because the only way darkness rises is if light is hidden. If light is shining and put on a lampstand, then darkness does not stand a chance. Which tells me that if there's darkness in the world, it's not because the enemy is winning. It's because the children of light are not on their lampstands. The only way darkness wins is when light is suppressed. When we hide under the basket of our buildings, hunkering down, waiting for the trumpet call. When we do that, light is suppressed. And of course, darkness is going to rise up. The devil wins. Let me say it this way. His primary objective is not to create more darkness. His primary objective is to suppress the light. He can't create any more darkness. He can't make it any darker. All he can do is suppress the light. And what better way to suppress the light than convince the light that it has no chance because uh, in order for Jesus to return, it must get darker and darker. That was a big statement. Let me say it again. And really, it can be a controversial statement, but we won't go there. If the only way, what, what better way for the devil to let darkness increase is to convince the light that the only way Jesus comes back is that it gets darker and darker. Because what happens is when you have that mindset is you hunker down in your church, you hunker down in your house and you pray for the return of Jesus and there's nothing you can do about it. Does that make sense? So that is the enemy's plan, is to suppress the light so darkness can prevail. But let me tell you that darkness cannot prevail when we put our lights on the lampstand and we show the love and the hope that we've already talked about this morning, which is in Jesus. Amen? We are not made, and I'm going to prove it here in just a second. I'm going to make the statement. But we were not created to accept Jesus try not to sin, and then maybe get it to heaven. We were made for more than that. The death and resurrection of Jesus accomplishes way more than just getting you a ticket to heaven. And, and to accept anything less than that is, is belittling the power of the cross and the resurrection. When we live our lives to just make it to heaven, we are belittling the cross and the resurrection. Let me show you what I mean. Let 
Jesus' death and resurrection was not God's mission to get you to heaven when you die. And now that that was accomplished, we just sit around and wait for the trumpet to sound. Amen? Instead, the death and resurrection of Jesus was the primary uh, was, was primarily the inauguration of his kingdom. Let me say it one more time without stuttering. Instead, instead, the death and resurrection of Jesus was primarily the inauguration of his kingdom, of the kingdom of God coming to earth. N.T. Wright says this, it was the decisive event demonstrating that God's kingdom really has been launched on earth as it is in heaven. The resurrection was the beginning of the restoration of all things. It was the start of the timeline that will eventually end with the new heaven and the new earth coming together and God dwelling with man where he wipes away every tear and, and sorrow and death will cease. That the death and resurrection of Jesus was not God's mission to get us to heaven, but rather it was him in, uh, establishing his kingdom, his domain, on earth. It was the beginning of the answer, the first fruits of God answering Jesus's prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the death and resurrection of Jesus is, is the manifestation of heaven coming to earth and the beginning of the restoration of all things, the restoration of humanity and the restoration of creation itself. You know, the book of Revelations, at the end of the book, the last chapter, well, second to last chapter, when all of this ends, how does this whole thing end? It says, and then I saw the new heaven and the new earth coming together and the new Jerusalem coming down, setting on earth. And then it says, and God dwelt with humanity. When Jesus returns, he will fully restore creation. Fully. And heaven and earth will combine. And we will dwell with God and God will dwell with man. And there will be no more sickness. There will be no more disease. There will be no more sorrow. And that was God, that is God's plan. And the, the cross and the resurrection was the initiation of the restoration of all things. It's bigger than getting us to heaven. It's the restoration of all things. And what else it was, was the inauguration of our mission to the earth. It was the beginning of our mission. It was the declaration of our mission as sons and daughters in the earth. Let me show you what I mean. Before Jesus ascended, in Matthew chapter 28, you read this, starting in verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Notice Jesus did not say, I'm going to heaven now, and if you go on living well, then you can join me one day. That's not what he said. 
He's about to go to heaven. He's, he's giving his last words to the disciples. And he doesn't say, if you go on living well now, then one day you'll be able to join me in heaven. No, he says, listen, you remember that prayer I taught you. That you pray on earth as it is in heaven. Well, guess what? All authority in the heavens and on earth has been given to me now. And then what he says is, now you go and make it happen. You go and manifest my authority and my kingdom on the earth. That our mission on this earth is not to just get to heaven. That our mission on this earth is to actually to actually go forth with God's plan of, 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 I'm star, I'm stuttered. Sorry. <laughs> of re, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Help me out. I just said it. Restoration. Thank you. <laughs> Let me start that whole process over again. That his mission for us is not to wait to go to heaven, but his mission for us is to take his authority and to go and manifest it on earth and to bring about the restoration of all creation. That our job is to manifest his kingdom on the earth. Which means, again, if darkness is prevailing, it's only because we have been convinced as sons and daughters that we don't have the authority to stop it. But let me tell you this morning, this is what I came to tell you this morning, that the resurrection of Jesus, he took back all authority and now he's given it to you. So you have the authority and the power to conquer all darkness and to suppress the darkness that if we put our light on the lampstand, that darkness will lose every single time. Every single time. We have the authority of heaven and on earth to bring about the restoration of creation. Amen? In other words, let me say it this way. His resurrection does not mean we get to escape from this world to go to heaven. Rather, resurrection means we now have a mission to bring heaven to earth. And we have the king's authority and power to make it happen. Our mission is not to wait around to go to heaven. Our mission is to bring heaven to earth and to manifest his kingdom and his authority right where we're at. Amen? You are not disempowered. Listen, I know the darkness may make you feel small, but you are not small. I know it feels out of control right now. Do you wear a mask? Do you not wear a mask? Is the government corrupt or are they trying to help us out? Or is, you know, there's all of these questions and all of it makes you confused and makes you feel little. But I'm telling you this morning, you are not little and you are not powerless. You do not have to sit around and wait for the trumpet call. You have the authority to change things on this planet. You have the king of kings authority to change things on this planet. It's why he sent you the Holy Spirit. 
to empower you with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in your body, that you have authority over every principality and every power and might and dominion. And all you have to do is put your light on the lampstand. All you have to do is put your light on the lampstand. It's why I believe, I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. It's why I don't believe the greatest revival in history is behind us. I believe it is right on our doorstep. Because just, just as they said in the Welsh revival, that it's darkest right before the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. That the darkness the world is experiencing right now is the groanings of creation. Longing for sons and daughters to come out of hiding and show who they are as sons and daughters. The greatest revival is in front of us. And each and every one of us can be a part of that. But we will miss it if we continue believing we are powerless. You are powerful because the Holy Spirit is inside of you and because the authority of heaven is on you. Amen. Let me pray for you this morning. Jesus, God, I thank you that you, God, hope today is the message. Hope today is the message, Father, that, that we have this great hope that the world is not lost to darkness. God, that in the, at, that at your death and resurrection, Father, that it was the initiation, it was the starting of the timeline of the restoration of all things. God, I thank you that we have the opportunity as sons and daughters to be a part of that restoration. God, I pray that every person in this room and every person watching online right now in this moment would sense and begin to have revelation of the authority that is on their life. God, that they would, uh, they would not feel powerless, that they would not feel fearful. God, they would not feel little, but they would begin to recognize the spirit that is inside of them. That the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is dwelling inside of them. That the Father himself has sent us as delegates in this land with his authority to overcome the darkness and to prevail your light. God, I pray everyone in this room would recognize the power on their life. God, and they would sense the power and the authority that is on them. And they would feel how big they are in the kingdom. Jesus, I pray for a grace to hear your leading and your word. God, that, that, this, that this would turn into action. God, that faith would turn into action. I'm reminded of a word that from the other night at our prayer meeting that came from Cameron that said, the rest is over. The rest is over. No longer can the church go on resting. But it's time that the church awakes and steps into the authority that is theirs and begins uh, eliminating the darkness with their light. 
God, that the cities around us, that, that even Elwood, Father, has lived in darkness long enough. Lord, that there is a light coming to the city of Elwood that is going to completely transform the city. That, that poverty is going to have to leave. That drug addiction is going to have to leave. That abuse is going to have to leave. That neglect is going to have to leave. That fathers and mothers are going to be raised up. That, that racism is going to have to leave that city. Father, that light is going to so shine in that city that there's going to be a massive transformation because the sons and daughters of God realize who they are and the authority they carry and now have delivered that light into the city. I believe it's coming. God, I believe that this nation and this world is about to experience the greatest revival in human history because the sons and daughters of God are awakening. They are awakening now. And they are coming out uh, from underneath the basket. They are coming out of the four walls of their buildings. They are coming out of their warped theology. And they are coming into the realization of who they are as sons and daughters of God. And because of it, the world is going to experience what it looks like to be a child of God. God, I believe that it starts right here, right now in this room. God, that this morning, hearts are being awakened to the reality of their calling. That hearts are being awakened to the reality of who they are as sons and daughters of God and representatives of the kingdom on this earth. Hallelujah. God, I thank you for that. I thank you for your word and your revelation. And right now, the awakening of hearts. I just declare that right now. Those in this room, those in this room who have felt little, who have felt like they've been beat around, those who have felt that, that there's nothing that they can do to eliminate the darkness around them. I declare today that your heart is awakening, that revelation is coming to your spirit. And in this moment, the Lord is identifying you as a son and a daughter. And that power is coming into you right now, that the authority of heaven is coming into you right now. And that you may have walked in this room feeling little and feeling, feeling like you're not worth much, but you're going to walk out of this place feeling with the confidence of heaven, standing tall, realizing who you are in the kingdom as a son and daughter. I declare to you today that your heart is being awakened in this moment and that you are not little and powerless, but you are a son and daughter of God carrying with you the very spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And now that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is going to quicken your mortal bodies and you're going to walk out of this room, walk out of this house and begin raising others both spiritually and hey, even physically from the dead. That that spirit, oh man, the Holy Spirit loves raising the dead. I hear that, that right now. The Holy Spirit's favorite thing is raising people from the dead. And I believe that as you walk out of this place, when you encounter those who are spiritually dead, that the spirit that is in you is going to begin raising those who are spiritually dead. That they are going to come to life because of the spirit that is inside of you. 
It's going to happen in your workplace. It's going to happen in the grocery store. It's going to happen as you're, as you're in the prayer walks, as you're helping out at Harmony House. Doug, it's going to happen to you as you're leading at Harmony House, that those who come into that building broken and dead in their spirit, that the spirit that raised Christ from the dead is going to begin raising them from the dead. And people are going to become alive because of the spirit that is inside of you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. As we shine our lights, darkness is going to leave. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Just declare to you today that you are unstoppable. You are unstoppable. You are a force to be reckoned with. I hear the Lord saying to revival begins with your yes. Revival begins with your yes, with your submission to him and your yes begins revival. Revival always begins in your own heart. <laughs> I quoted my dad last week. I'm going to quote him again today. He told, told me a story of a revivalist who was asked, how do you, how do you start revival? How does, how does this whole thing begin? What's your process? What do you do to have revival come to a city? And the revivalist said something along these lines. He said, what you do is you go into your room, you draw a circle on the floor, you stand in the circle, and then you pray, God, send revival and let it begin right here in this circle. And I believe that revival starts when we say yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you're awakening hearts today. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen.